right, well, this morning we are continuing in our uh, new teaching series talking about neighbors. We kicked it off last week um, looking at the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And what we're doing in this teaching series is, is thinking about our immediate neighbors and asking a couple of core questions. Who is my neighbor? What does it mean to love my neighbor? <laughs> Super delayed. Okay. And can I really love my neighbor if I do not know them. And I gave you a challenge last week, and the challenge was simple. It was just get to know one of your neighbors in your building, on your block, on your cul-de-sac. Learn their names. I'm wondering if anyone did that. Yeah, Matt, Lenora, you did it. Okay, you already knew that I'm cheating. Kaylee, did you do it? You learned a name of one of your neighbors. That's great. His name is Tim. That's beautiful, and you share tomatoes. That's great. I love that. Gloria shared a great story with me. about She met some people on her block, and she said, I didn't even know there were so many kids. And now she had, you know, was talking to new people and learning their names. That's great. It's a start. A couple weeks ago, uh, right after a big rainstorm, there were some puddles in, in our cul-de-sac, in our court. And so, of course, Logan wants to go out and jump in puddles. And so I take both of them out there both him and the baby, they're jumping in puddles, they're making a big mess, and one of our neighbors comes out and says, well, that looks like fun, and he brings out his daughter, who is the same exact age as Andrew, and they're just puddle jumping for about 30 minutes, and it was a great, I got to know their names, I got to hear a part of their story and where they're from, Andrew happened to be wearing his Rhode Island t-shirt, which I got from my best friend, turns out that's where he was from. It was organic. It was natural. Not creepy at all, like Wilson, you know, and which is good for me. You know, sometimes it can be creepy. It's natural. It's organic. You never know the opportunities that are right in front of you. If you just take the time to learn someone's name, to ask how they're doing, to make yourself available right where you are. That's the spirit of this teaching series. Who is my neighbor? What does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? And your deeper challenging question, can I really love my neighbor and know their pains and their needs, their struggles, their hurts? Can I really love them if I do not know them? So that's what we talked about last week in that parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus answered that really good question the lawyer asked, that first question, who is my neighbor? And he uses that parable to then define what it means to be a neighbor. It's not just you know, your physical proximity. I mean, that's, it includes that. That's a start. It's not just your social proximity, the people who look like you, think like you, act like you, live near you, right? It's anyone who has a need. Jesus spent that parable to redefine our neighbor, not in terms of race or religion or proximity, but in terms of vulnerability. Remember that man in the ditch, left for dead, beaten and left for dead. Your neighbor is anyone who has a need. And this is why can we really love our neighbor if we don't know them to know those needs that they have? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Well, we saw the example last week in, in the one who stopped. The difference that set the Samaritan apart from the priest and Levite was that he was moved with compassion, and he acted out of, out of mercy for this man who had a very real, obvious need. To be moved with compassion, to show them mercy, because you see them as a human, someone worthy of your time and help, a human who has a need, and that's what set him apart. 
What does it mean to be a good neighbor, to love your neighbor? It means being willing to be interrupted or inconvenienced in your personal life for the sake of compassion, for the sake of care, regardless of who they are. They may be your enemy. They may be from Samaria. And who was it that acted like a good neighbor? It was the Samaritan himself. Now, I mentioned that passage last week that I want to spend a few minutes on this morning. It comes from Acts chapter 1, and it's when Jesus is sending out the disciples. And he's saying to them, he's promising them, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. This is like, this happens, and then literally in the next verses, Jesus ascends, goes back to heaven, and leaves them in the story of Luke-Acts. This is, Acts is kind of part two of this narrative. And so Jesus says to them, In Acts chapter 1, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You can imagine. They've watched him die and be resurrected. And they're like, all right, here we go. Is this it? Is this the time? In other gospels, they ask, you know, am I going to sit on your right hand and left in the kingdom? Is this it? They're wondering. They're asking, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He says, By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be my witnesses. And what's a witness? We've talked about this before. We had a whole teaching series on it, Go Tell It on the Mountain, where we, as United Methodists, as members in this church, we commit to supporting this church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Did you know that was our fifth sort of commitment to covenant together with this faith community? We had a whole teaching series a couple Decembers ago, Go Tell It on the Mountain, where we talked about what it means to be a witness for Christ. Really, it's to just tell the story, to tell the story of Jesus Christ and what he has done in your life, to tell your story as well as how Christ has changed your life. And so in essence, in this story of Luke Acts, this is the first time that he's telling them like, all right, I'm about to leave you and I need you to be my witnesses. And it's kind of twofold here for these disciples because they have, you know, They are some of the few who actually walked the earth at the same time as Jesus in his physical body, right? So their eyewitness account is going to have sort of this twofold twofold purpose. They're about to become the master storytellers of what the the life of Jesus was like, of of what being with Jesus was like. But then also, the second part is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to continue to witness Jesus, resurrected Christ through the power of the Spirit, continuing to show up to work miracles through them as they go out, as they tell the story of Jesus, and as they begin to tell their own story of the signs and wonders of miracles that they will continue to see at this point on. So then, of course, this is obvious, but every single follower of Jesus Christ who comes after them will then, too, become witnesses, right? To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. And this is the part I mentioned last week that I think is really kind of neat to think in, in this way. It's, it's exciting to me. 
He tells them to start in Jerusalem. That was the center of their spiritual life. Start at home in your synagogues. It's not going to be easy. You're going to be thrown out of your synagogues. You're going to be arrested and flogged and beaten. But start there. And then move out to the region. Even going into enemy territory, these sworn enemies of the Samaritans, even there in that region, and they're going to keep going over the next thousands of years. All people who come after them in the power of the Holy Spirit, when they receive that power, they will become witnesses to the end of the earth. That includes you and me. That we're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, starting in our own Jerusalems, our own Judeas, our own Samarias, and to the end of the earth, telling this story of Christ, sharing how Christ has shown up in your life and worked miracles, and of course, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to do a, you know, a little thought experiment with you to consider. I know not everybody lives in Louisville proper sitting in this room, so maybe just imagine your own city, your own Jerusalem, your own center of life, your own neighborhood. We start there. Get to know the names of your neighbors. Go puddle jump with the toddler down the street. Love your neighbor as yourself right where you are. Learn their story. Learn their need. And then we move out from there. Consider the region. Not just the whole state of Kentucky, but maybe think smaller. All of the neighborhoods in Louisville. They're diverse. They're different. They have different histories and different stories. And maybe let's be frank for just a moment, if you're familiar with the, the place of Louisville and, and maybe the history of Louisville, there are, there are certain neighborhoods that we're told not to go. Maybe it's because of the demographics or it's because of the crime rate or it's because of things that we've heard have happened there. Maybe you've had parents, if you grew up in the city, that told you we don't go to these places. Or if you do, be careful, be on guard, be on the lookout. Nothing good will come out of enter-the-blank neighborhood. Sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for not. Sometimes it's hearsay and rumors. But we know, even without me standing up here and naming some of these neighborhoods, you know that there are places that we are told not to go. I'm not saying they're Samaria, like we should think of them as sworn enemies. But they are definitely places that people in our city avoid. You might go out of your way, like folks that would have traveled days longer around the region of Samaria different areas that we might avoid. I know I've shared with you the story of uh, Grace Church for Kids before. I've talked to that. Uh, it's, a, it's a pastor friend of mine, Corey Nelson, or a colleague. He's another Methodist pastor here in the city, and he was appointed to Grace Church in 2013. And it's in South Louisville, about five blocks south of Churchill Downs, in the neighborhood Oakdale, is that correct? I'm learning too, y'all. Oakdale, yeah, Oakdale, or it's now called Wyandotte. Wyandotte, do y'all know that one? It's five blocks south of Churchill Downs. We didn't read that, it's okay. So here's the church. Pop up, okay. And he, so he tells the story about when he was appointed there in 2013. And the, it was a, uh, not quite the DS at the time, but the director of new church development takes him down to the neighborhood 
um, and, and to show him the facility for the first time. And he, he tells the story of the first time going to the church building, stopping at a stop sign, and this is what he sees. I wouldn't stop here if I was you. And he reflects on, on this moment. And he's thinking, what is this referring to? <laughs> is it the intersection? You wouldn't stop here. Is it the whole neighborhood? Is it the church? I think this was right out in front of the church. I wouldn't stop here if I was you. He thought, the amount of time and effort that went into putting these letters and sticking them on, I mean, this was sort of intentional. Um, he says, I've seen a lot of messages in the hood, but this one really stuck out to me. Whatever the intent was, it obviously wasn't good, and I wanted out of it. <laughs> He said, if I had felt that I had a reasonable way out of that appointment, I would have taken it in a second. No question about it. This was 2013. And then he says this, I think about that sign a lot, even now almost 10 years later. A sign warning people to stay away. A church that the neighborhood no longer recognized as a church. And now... Now it's become a place of safety, of healing, of standing in the gaps, a place the community wants to come to. I think of all the lives, all the stories that have come through our doors in the past 10 years, and I'm so thankful that we stuck it out, that we saw it through, that God was all over that place. He was sent into a place in a neighborhood that many people avoid. Too dangerous. Don't stop here. And he was given one mandate start a missional community. <laughs> and he jokes and he says, I had no idea what that was. It's one of those things that could probably have five or six different definitions. Start a missional community. Kind of drop them down there and then left. <laughs> you know, then we, we kind of left them. <laughs> 2013. And since then, in these past nine, almost ten years, the church has become a place that's actually, he didn't intend for it to just be ministry with kids. He'll tell you that. He actually kind of maybe avoided that the first several months as they opened up the doors of the church and had different events and all these kids just flooded in. They had a movie night or they had a, uh, like a you know, Halloween event and, and just the kids by themselves, siblings, walking in with siblings, just kids. And he kept avoiding it. He kept ignoring it. There was still a community there that had been worshiping there. It was small. It had dwindled. It was aging. But he was trying to focus on that group and, and revitalize it. But yet, the community had a need. So he says, when they said, start a missional community, he, hadn't, he had no idea what that meant either. So do you know what he did? He went for a walk. He began to walk the neighborhood. A prayer walk, even. But he says every single person that he passed, he introduced himself to. And when he said, I serve at Grace Church, most people didn't even know where that was. Not that big of a neighborhood. This church building has been there for a long, long time. Most people didn't know that was even a church building still. And he said he walked and he walked, he kept talking to people, kept introducing himself, and then he'd ask this one question, what do you think the neighborhood needs? What do you think this neighborhood needs? And what he heard, he says, from every single person he talked to without fail, the kids have nowhere to go. That's what he heard over and over and over again. The kids have nowhere to go. So he planted a church for kids. <laughs> 
They have Wednesday night programming, Friday night programming. They're open after school every, every day of the week. They have mentoring. There's a place to do homework. It's a safe place for the kids to come off of the streets where they're loved, where they're encouraged, where they're believed in. They're served a hot meal three times a week, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday morning. They have a worship service. I was trying to find a picture of their sanctuary. It's just beautiful. It looks like kids' church. It's been painted, and it has a gaga pit in the back. Behind the pews, there's a gaga pit in the sanctuary. And they've got banners hanging up, and the kids come up and share testimony. Like, we might look down upon, like, oh, what do they know? They're just coming in to hang out. These kids are learning about the love of God for them. And sometimes they say, Pastor Corey, I want to preach today. And they get up there, and they share. They are witnesses to what Jesus has done in their lives. It's a Christian community, a true Christian community that has been cultivated there where once the building stood empty, it wasn't recognizable. The community didn't even know it was a church. It was close to closing. And because I think Corey said yes to being a witness for Christ to tell the story in a place that others might have avoided. Or when it comes to appointments, you think, oh, man, they sent me there. Here we go. But because he said yes to being a witness, because he saw neighbors in that community as anyone who had a need, even the kids, he was able to plant a church there. And it's still a missional community. It is still very much in need of support and of volunteers. But they opened those doors, and the kids just continue to come flooding in. And it's a beautiful witness of what can happen when we see an opportunity to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we respond. And respond to God's love for us. I know you all are familiar with this passage of scripture, but I want to read it for us again today. This is from 1 John verses 4, sorry, verses 7 through 21. Delayed. Oh, is it up there? Okay. I don't know why it's delayed for me. Okay, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might... Oh, it's gone for me. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read it out here. Where was I? Okay. In this love, not that we have loved God, but he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfect, by this his love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is one of those passages, passages of scripture that I think we should just have like posted up everywhere that we can see to remind us all of this call and this walk of faith of what it really means. <laughs> this is one that we, we're pretty familiar with, so we might skim over it from time to time. But man, could we just teach on this year after year as a reminder what love can look like. There's a lot that we can unpack from this passage, but here's the one phrase that I want to reflect on with you. It was three times it popped up. And it's this, that his love is perfected in us. God's love is perfected in us. Thinking, what in the world does that mean? Well, I love the part where it says no one has seen God But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's this sense that there's this kind of what Caroline Lewis, a Bible scholar, calls sort of this reciprocity of God's love. Right? There's God's love for us. There's our love for God. Then there's our love for one another. And it's kind of this this mutual moving of God's love being poured out upon us. We're transformed. We're given the power of the Holy Spirit that continues to to redeem and refine and empower us to the point where hopefully we're growing in that fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. Do I get my VBS star now? Is that all? I, I think that's all. I think that's all of them. This fruit that's being developed within you as you're growing deeper in love of God because of that word abide. Thank you, son. John 14, you're given that image of of Jesus as the true vine. If we abide with him, then his love abides with us, right? So there's this sense of it being perfected in us. And I want you to hear perfected as God's love is completed through us. God's love is made known through us. God's love is revealed to the world through us by how we love other people, by our love. Does that make sense? God's love is revealed to the world in our acts of compassion and mercy and justice and love. No one has ever seen God, but God's love is seen and made known through us. That's the mission. That's the telos, right? That's the end of God's love in the world, to be perfected in us, to be completed through us. Kind of a tall order. It's up to us, right? In the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the mission. For whoever loves God must also love his brother. You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's simple, right? It, y'all, it's their simple teachings, plain speech maybe, 
but something that I think we always need to be reviewing and reminding ourselves of and challenging one another to grow deeper in this love because clearly we haven't been perfected in it yet. (laughs) We still have room to grow. And I think one of the most sort of obvious challenges that we can just, you know, if you've been around church a while, you know these things, right? You know these teachings. But if we can spur one another on, as Scripture says, spur one another on to be more loving, the challenge that I think is before us today in our world that seems so sordid and at times segregated and separated out where we can very easily stay in our own bubble and our own world and do our own thing and not really get to know someone who is different from us. Friends, our love is limited if that's the case. That's what I'm trying to challenge us this morning. We start in Jerusalem. We move to Judea. We go to Samaria so that love may be perfected in us and the world. God, as Chrysalis taught me, God is counting on us in that sense. But if we're comfortable, if we're, if we're just resolved to just stay within our own Jerusalem, our own home, our, our own little circle, our own neighborhood, our love will be limited. God's love will not be made known to the end of the earth. All right, so your challenge this morning, are you ready? Last week it was simple. Get to know the names of your neighbors and keep doing that. <laughs> right? We build. These are we're cha- we're uh, building upon each challenge each year or each week. Oof, each week. Get to know your neighbors. Learn their names. Maybe go on a prayer walk around your neighborhood like Corey Nelson did. Right? And pray for each person that you pass, each house that you pass. Greet each person that you pass. Learn their name. I'm so excited about all the kids in my neighborhood right now. I cannot wait for Halloween in that sense because I don't, that's what I love about it. it, Actually, people come out of their houses (laughs) in suburbia on Halloween and you get a chance to meet them. And I get to see their cute babies and what they dress them up as. And I am that person that probably scares everybody else in the block because I want to stop and talk to each family along the way, especially if they have kids, because I want my kids to have friends. Let's go jump in puddles together, right? Go on a prayer walk. See what opportunities develop simply from learning names and praying for your neighborhood. Maybe go to a different neighborhood and go on a prayer walk. Who knows? Who knows how the Spirit might prompt you and lead you and challenge you? But then here's your big challenge for this week. I'm going to invite you to come with me to Grace Kids this Wednesday night. I know we might not all be available, and that's okay. But I've signed up to go and serve a meal for about 30, 35 kids that are going to come on Wednesday night. And you're welcome to come with me. I put my family on. I think I told you this, Matt. Did I? (laughs) I'm planning to take you and the boys. We're going. (laughs) We're going to go to Grace Kids and serve a meal. I would love for you to help me. If not, we're going to serve 35 kids. We got it. But you're invited to come with me. Come. We're going to, you got to be there at 530. And the dinner is served at 6. There's a sign up out on the desk in the front. If you'd like to go to South Louisville, to a neighborhood that maybe you've never been in before, to a church that is vibrant and full of life and laughter and love, and you can see how God's at work right here through these kids, 
man, it's a beautiful thing to see. And so I want to invite you to come and be a witness to that with me. Um, we, you have to be there at 530. I got the information out of the address and we'll serve a meal or the Wallaces will serve a meal at six o'clock. Um, and, and it's usually wrapped up by about seven. So let me know after the service. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this day and for how you continue to be at work in our world, in our lives, and in our church. God, we thank you for the surprising ways that you continue to show up. In a world that feels so divided and so prone to to hate and division and to tribalism and to, to folks that in our comfort zone that we just want to be around to think like us and look like us. God, thank you for the reminder this morning that your love compels us to cross dividers, to break down barriers, to get to know our neighbors in a way that we can all be set free, in a way that we can all be healed, in a way that we can all be redeemed and gathered in the unity of the Spirit who is at work in each of us. So God, would you be with us today and this week and in the days to come as you present us with opportunities to do just that, to love, to see our neighbors as people of worth, as children of God, and to respond to the love that you have first poured out upon us and to see our neighbor and love them as ourselves. Give us the courage that we need in those moments, the words to speak if needed, but Lord, let our actions speak because we know that in our loving actions with one another and our, and our acts of, uh, of sacrifice and compassion and mercy, God, that's how your love is proclaimed from the rooftops. So send us out, O oh God, that we may be your hands and feet and make you known. We love you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.